Thank you, Brother Terry. Well, if you brought your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 3. We continue our series this morning from the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. Let me also, while you're turning uh, to uh, Philippians 3, let me just uh, make an, an announcement. At the end of our service, we're going to be receiving a love offering, a mission offering, for Brian and Gwenda Trapp and their family. Uh, if you were here last week, they shared with us. And Brian and uh, Gwenda, two girls, they'll be leaving uh, uh, to serve in the mission field. They served 17 years in the Congo. They came home kindly on a furlough, thought that their mission uh, service was over with, but God had uh, another direction for them. They're going to be serving with the Source of Light Ministries International out of Georgia. That's the company, or that's the organization they were with uh, while they were serving in the Congo. This organization provides uh, Sunday school literature and and correspondent courses, Bible study courses uh, for people around the world. And so they're going to be working in the home office there. And that organization requires each missionary to, uh, to supply their own resources, their own income. And so today we'll receive a love offering at the end of this service and, and will be sent to them. And make sure, if you will, as you leave through the foyer uh, uh, exit. Uh, there's some prayer cards. Should be some prayer cards there. If not, we'll have some, and you can contact them. You can uh, uh, their email addresses. Their newsletter will be sent to you, uh, and we can stay in contact. There's a uh, a way that you can uh, contribute online to their ministry, and so. But I wanted just to mention this. We'll be doing that at the, at the end of our service. Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to share with you a sermon that, that I just entitled Salvation Joy, Salvation Joy. As you read uh, chapter 3, you can just see the, salva you can see the joy that Paul has in regards to knowing that he has salvation. Now there are two themes that run throughout the book of Philippians. One is joy, the other theme is mind. And when you put both of those together, you, you have the joyful Christian mind. Now according to Warren's Wearsby in his study notes, he says that, uh, that there are four thieves that try to rob us of our joy. We talk about each chapter represents a thief. Chapter 1, we talked about circumstances and how circumstances in our lives can rob us of Christian joy. Then chapter 2, we dealt with, last week, we dealt with people. Uh, how people can rob us of our Christian joy. And then today, we want to look at things. Things that can rob us of our Christian joy. And then chapter 4 is worry. How worry can rob us of our Christian joy. Worry is having the wrong thinking about circumstances, people, and things. And that worry can rob us of our Christian joy. Now the solution to all of these joy robbers is to have a joyful Christian mind. Now we discovered in the past in order to have a joyful Christian mind, first of all, chapter 1, uh, we're to have a mind that's focused on Christ Jesus and also the extension of the gospel. Paul used his life as, uh, as an example of that. 
And so to, 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 to have a joyful Christian mind, first of all, chapter 1, we need to focus on Christ and also on the extension of the gospel. Then to have a joyful Christian mind in chapter 2, we need to have a servant mind. We talked about that last week, how Jesus had a servant mind, how he was willing to serve and go all the way even to the death the death of a cross and how Jesus had a servant mind, had Paul uh, had a servant mind and how Timothy had a servant mind and how Paul's uh, servant, uh, Epiratus, uh, had a servant mind. And so we serve God and when we serve God, it gives us joy. And so today, today speaks about a spiritual mind, looking at earthly things from a heavenly perspective. A, 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 a spiritual mind. And then chapter 4, let me just mention, you have a secure mind mentioned there. The mind that is stayed on Christ when worry comes. What do you do when worry comes? Well, chapter 4 teaches us about a mind that is stayed on Christ when worry comes. So now let's look at chapter 3. And we want to look at verse 1. And he says, he begins by saying, Finally, my brethren... Rejoice. There's that word again. Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. He begins by saying, finally. In other words, as for the rest. Uh, he's, he's moving into new subjects. Uh, finally is not that he's concluding. Okay? He's, he's halfway finished. Uh, he's halfway through the book and he's saying finally meaning he's the rest of the story or he's changing subjects and he's going to be discussing some other things and then he mentions the word rejoice there he says rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you in other words you've heard these things before and I'm sure all of us when I share some things with you this morning you say well I've heard that before I knew all of that you know the major way that we learn today they tell us is through repetition I can remember when I was a young child learning my ABC's it was through repetition uh, learning the days of the week it's through repetition we learn best through repetition and so Paul is saying here hey to write the same things to you to me indeed is not grievous but for you it is safe it's a good thing and so he says uh, in verse 2 he says beware of dogs now he's not talking about an animal dog. He's talking about false teachers. He's labeled them. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concession. He says, he uses beware three times there. Notice three times, beware, beware, beware. Three words of warning Paul gives us. Very important. Warnings against false teachers. The dogs, the, the evil workers, the uh, consension. Uh, th that word, uh, uh, concession, is uh, better translated uh, uh, mutilation. It's, it's a play on word, uh, a play on the word of circumcision. Um, you know, um, without going into the depth of circumcision, he was referring to those who had preached and taught that you had to be circumcised in order to be saved. Now, he gets upset, he calls them dogs, he calls them uh, evil workers. He refers to them as mutilators. Why does he get so upset about these false teachers? 
Ever thought about that? Looks like he's getting his feathers ruffled there. Well, when someone leads someone astray in regards to the gospel, uh, in regards to salvation, that's perhaps the worst thing anyone could do. And so Paul is upset because he feels like these false teachers are leading people astray from the gospel. Listen, the most important thing you have today is your salvation. The most important thing in life today is that you have salvation. So Paul warns against these false teachers in regards to salvation. Now notice verse 3, if you will. He says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice, there's the word again, in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So he begins to set forth salvation. We, he says, verse 3, For we are the circumcision which worship God. We are the truly saved people who worship God. Verse 4, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man thinketh that he hath whereof, he must trust in the flesh, I more. Paul says salvation, listen, he says salvation is not in the flesh. You cannot accomplish salvation in and of your own self. Salvation is not in the flesh. Anything you do to inherit salvation is fleshly. Uh, uh, it will not accomplish salvation. Now, as you read chapter 3, Paul uses, he uses the word things. He uses the word things about 11 times. Now, he's talking about how material things can rob your joy. You know, there are a lot of people today who want to be happy and they think that material things can make them happy, but the material things just zap their joy. It robs their joy. I can remember years ago being a volunteer chaplain with hospice when hospice was really new in our area. And I can remember visiting, visiting this very wealthy person and they just had everything. I pulled up in the yard and they had this huge camper. Well, I'm a camper person and I'm thinking, my goodness, what a camper. And I go inside and this guy comes from the back and, and he had a, a terminal illness. And we sat there and we began to talk for a while and I mentioned the camper and how I like to camp and how I always wanted to have a camper. Didn't have one at that time. And, and this is what he said to me. He said, Brother Sammy, and we were in a nice house and we were on a large acreage. And he said this. He said, he said Brother Sammy, I would give all of this away for six more months. No. Six more months. Wasn't happy. Wasn't joyful. Those things didn't mean anything to him. Things can rob you of your joy. And the lack of certain things can rob you of your joy. There was a bumper sticker read several years ago, perhaps it first came out. It says, when you die, the one with the most toys win. The one with the most toys win. Friend, let me tell you, there's an there's a underlying message in that bumper sticker. And that underlying message is, is simply this. People with the most toys still die. Amen. It don't matter what you have. Amen. You're still going to die. Amen. The most important thing you have today is your salvation. The most important thing you need today is your salvation. Amen. Things will not bring you joy. So first... 
Let me say this. There's nothing wrong with things. Now, Genesis chapter 1, the Bible tells how God created everything. God made all things and He looked back over all things and He said all those things were what? They were good. They were good. And 1 Timothy chapter 6, just jot this verse down. 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 says this. He says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in certain uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. God created all things and He gave us all things to enjoy, to have pleasure in. Jesus said this, He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Here's your order. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. All those things you need to survive in this old world. Your house, your clothing, your food. All the things you need to survive, He'll provide. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then all these things shall be added unto you. Luke chapter 12, verse 15 says this. Jot this verse down. He said, God's word says this, and Jesus speaking, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Your life, my friend, does not consist in what you have. It's more valuable than that. Listen. Now, up until now, Paul's talking about material things. But it begins to switch. And he shifts to begin to talk about other things. He talks about things in the spiritual realm. He talks, he's going to talk about salvation. He's going to talk about sanctification. And he's going to talk about glorification in this chapter. Now, we're not, I'm not going to push it and try to get all three today like I did last week in, in one. But, but he's, he's beginning to talk about those three things, salvation, sanctification, glorification. Now, when it, in regards to salvation, we're taught through the New Testament there are three tenses of salvation. There is salvation. I have been saved. I was saved when I was 11 years old. I was saved. Then I am being saved. That's sanctification. It's the process that I'm going through right now to become more like Christ. That's sanctification. And then there's glorification. Glorification is I will be saved. So you have those three tenses. These are three aspects of salvation. It's very important that you understand those three things. Salvation, sanctification, glorification. Paul's going to address it in chapter 3 of Philippians. Now in the opening verses, he's talking about salvation. And he begins to, to use, uh, he begins to paint word pictures. Now, um, he paints word pictures in regards to salvation, a word picture in regards to sanctification, a word picture in regards to glorification. When we get down to, the, to our new building, there are going to be two double screens down there, two huge screens, because we like to see things. We like vision, and you know we remember a lot of things that we see. So Paul is beginning to paint pictures just by using words. And so he begins first by painting a word picture in regards to salvation. This is found in verses 1 through 10. 
And then he paints a word picture in regards to sanctification. Salvation, his word picture, uh, he says we're to be like a bookkeeper. And so he paints a picture in a few minutes. We'll see that like about a bookkeeper. And then he paints a, a word picture in regards to sanctification. And that word picture shows a runner uh, uh, following after sanctification things. And then he paints a word picture of glorification, a traveler that's focusing on glorification things in verses 17 through 21. So he paints these pictures. So today we want to look at the picture of salvation. Look, if you will, at verse 4. He says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. Now, if you will, look at verse 8. He says, Yea, doubtless, and I count. Now, here's the bookkeeper terms. And I count all things but loss. There's another bookkeeper term. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss, there's a bookkeeping term again, of all things, and do count them but dung, that I might win Christ. So he uses this, these bookkeeper terms. First one he uses as count. He uses the word count. The word count there means to calculate. It means to figure. Paul says, I'm a bookkeeper. And I'm, I'm figuring out some things as a bookkeeper. Now, usually bookkeepers, when they figure, they have three columns. They'll have, a, they'll have a, a, a credit column, and then they'll have a debit column, and then they'll have a profit column. And so he begins, first of all, by adding to his credit column those things to his credit now, you may not know this, but subconsciously, you may be adding things to your credit in regards to salvation. I'm, I'm going to be saved because I have this credit column, the things that I've done. This was what Paul said that he had done in the past. Look at verse 5. He says, here's his credit. Circumcised on the eighth day. Well, circumcised. Circumcision, without going into detail, was just an outward ritual. An outward ritual. Well, do we have outward rituals today? Do the Jew believed and counted on that outward ritual in order to be right with God, in order to inherit the kingdom of God? Do people have outward rituals today that they're counting on to be made right with God and to inherit the kingdom of God? Sure they do. One of, those, one of those would be baptism. That is an outward ritual. Another one would be church membership or church affiliation, regardless which church. Some people count on those outward rituals in order to inherit the kingdom of God. Paul is saying, listen, I had and maintained the right rituals. Paul said there in verse 5, I was circumcised. I was a Jew the eighth day. Then he says the stock of Israel. Now, there are a number of groups today, a number of churches today, that believe that you have to be, that you have to have the right ritual in order to be saved. That you have to have the baptism, that you have to belong to a certain group, affiliated with a certain church, a certain group. And Paul had the right rituals. He said there in verse 5, I was the stock of Israel. He was the right race. 
He was an Israelite. He was an Israelite. Now, there's no supreme race today, and there is no inferior race today. I can remember a little song that kind of summed that up when I was in vacation Bible school, and it's so good that it's in our hymn book. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Then it goes in and says red and yellow, black and white. They're precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. There's no superior race. There's no inferior race. Paul said, I was a Jew. I was an Israelite. I was of the stock of Israel. Here's the point. Your race has nothing to do with your salvation. Whether you're red, yellow, black, and white, you're either lost or you're either saved. Your race has nothing to do with that. And then notice he adds also into that credit column. He was circumcised, went through the rituals. He was a Jew. He was an Israelite. He added that to his column. And then third, he was of the tribe of Benjamin. Now that's important. Twelve tribes. Benjamin was kind of the elite tribe. We're told that Benjamin had this, I forgot how many numbers, but had this number of men who were expert marksmen with a sling. And they prided themselves in, in having those men that were marksmen with the sling. Benjamite, the Benjamites, they, they were cultured. They were very cultured. Uh, they, they were... I don't know. They, they were just cultured. You know, you can, you can be cultured. I mean, it's good to be cultured. I'm not too cultured. Uh, some a little. I, I, sometimes I forget and put my elbows on the table. And I don't know which fork to use a lot of times when I go into a restaurant. But the Benjamites, they were cultured. Uh, you can be cultured. A lot of our Hollywood stars are cultured. I mean, they walk the red carpet. You know, they, uh, they eat fine, fine food. You can eat fine food. You can eat expensive food, like you see on the Food Network. I was watching some of that last night. And my goodness, all this fine food and, and, and fine china and, and fine glasswares with the crystal, with the high stems. And, you know, just eating a certain way in a certain place and using certain um, uh, things at mealtime. Just cultured. But friend, listen. You can be cultured and lost. Paul was that way. He was a Benjamite. But he had added that to his credit. Look at verse 5. Not only was he a Benjamite, but he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. His dad was a Hebrew. His mother was a Hebrew. And they had a little boy. Guess what he was? He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Hebrew. And he prided himself in that. He was a member of God's chosen people. Here's the point. His dad was a Hebrew. His mom was a Hebrew. He was a Hebrew. Now just because moms are saved and just because dad's saved don't mean you're going to be saved. That's a personal choice. Personal choice. Just because mom and dad are saved doesn't mean that you're going to heaven. It's a personal choice. 
So these were the things in his credit column. Look at verse 6. He added another one. He added zeal. Concerning zeal, he was very zealous. Persecuting the church. He thought it was the right thing to do. He was a Pharisee and, and they were going against the law that he'd been taught. And they were saying salvation is just in Jesus by faith in him. By grace through faith. And, and that was upsetting and he was persecuting the church. And he says, touching the righteousness which is in the law. He was blameless. You couldn't, if you wanted to find a person that was blameless, it was Paul. And he had jotted that down in his credit column. So here's the point. If it was possible to go to heaven by human effort, Paul was that person. There's no way you or I could compare to Paul's credit column. If anyone could go to heaven because of human effort, it was going to be Paul. But yet in all of these things, his credit column, Paul was aware deep down inside that he was lost. I mean, he had all of that long list, but deep down inside he knew that he was lost without Jesus Christ. So what do you do when you've calculated and you've counted everything in order to go to heaven but still deep down inside you know you're lost first of all he is a bookkeeper figuring out salvation things he had a credit column now what happened well remember Paul's testimony he was on the way to Damascus to persecute the church and all of a sudden he was blinded by a light from heaven came off his horse looked up he saw Jesus himself he saw Christ. He was on that Damascus road. Look at verse 7. But what things were gained to me? Remember the credit column? But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost. There's another word, counting word, lost. Those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dong, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is, here it is, through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Amen. Now folks, it can't get any plainer than that. Amen. If you want to know how righteousness comes about, right there it is in verse 9. It's not by anything you do, but it's, it's not by the law, but it's through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So all the things that Paul had added up in his credit column, all of that became worthless. Worthless. Didn't amount to anything. I was talking to Bobby Guthrie recently about my great-grandfather Keelan. And uh, Keelan Gap Trussell was named after him. And it's told that during the Civil War that, that he uh, carried his Confederate money uh, up to that Trussell and buried his riches up at the trussle. He carried a slave with him. The slave didn't come back. Suspect that he, he killed the slave. But he buried his treasure up there to keep it away from the, the Union soldiers. But you know what? You know, you know how expensive Confederate money is today? I mean, do you have any? I mean, can you buy anything with it? It's kind of worthless. 
That's what Paul said. Paul said, all these things I had in the credit column, all that's worthless. It's good for nothing. Everything Paul had in the credit column was moved from the credit column to the debit column. Look at verse 8. Yea, doubtless, I count all those things but loss. I suffered loss of all things. He uses that word again in Acts 27, right before a shipwreck, and they were throwing things overboard. Everything was of loss. The word loss literally means overboard. To be tossed overboard. Look at verse 8. He says, Hey, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. The word dung there is translated literally garbage. Everything I had in that credit column when it comes to salvation amounts nothing but to pure garbage. It's nothing but garbage. My church affiliation, garbage. My rituals, garbage. My family background, garbage. My zeal, Garbage. All of that was garbage. It was nothing but garbage. So he had the credit column, and now he has the debit column. One more column left. We're through. That's the profit column. Now, on the Damascus Road, Paul threw everything overboard. Everything was lost. That he might have Christ. Now see, when you come to Christ, when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, in Him you have everything necessary in order for salvation. Amen. It's all wrapped up in Him. We sang just a few minutes ago, the old rugged cross. That's the key. That's where salvation's found. It's all at the cross. It's Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, the world's sins. And through His atoning death on the cross, dying in my place on the cross, substitutionary death, dying for me on the cross, when I ask Christ to forgive me, come into my life and save me, He does just that. You'll never experience the joyful Christian mind until you receive Christ. Salvation things. Be a bookkeeper. Be a bookkeeper in regards to salvation. Start today. Have you added all up? Your credit column? Have you realized that none of that's going to get you to heaven? And you've zeroed out in your debit card column. And over here in your profit column today, you'll receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you'll receive all things you were searching for and wanting. Let's pretend just a minute before I close. Let's say that I own five acres of land. Sharon Loden, she's not here. I bet she's on vacation. Is she on vacation? Where'd she go vacation? I believe Rock City, Tennessee. Rock City, Tennessee. She just couldn't make it to the Smokies, I don't guess. Did she? My favorite place to go on vacation is not the beach. Last time I went to the beach, we laid out the beach. We didn't start doing that. The kids went early that morning. Judy and I, they wanted us to go. I didn't want to go to the beach. But anyway, I went down to the beach, and I'm laying there. I'm about medium wear on one side and half done on the other. And I told Judy, I said, honey, we got more sense to be doing this. So we just got up, and we went back and got an air conditioner. But let's say, for instance, now some of you love the beach, and that's fine. But let, let's say, for instance, Let's say I had five acres, I like the mountains, of choice land 
in Pigeon Forge. Uh, just kind of between Pigeon Forge and Townsend. And a five acres choice land up there. And, I, and I'll say, okay, I've got this five acres of land, choice land. And let's say that, uh, um, let's say Terry Wilbur. He don't like the beach, he don't think. But let's say, let's say Terry Wilbur. I'll I tell you what, Terry, you own one acre that's a garbage dump. That's all it is, a garbage dump. All you have is a garbage dump. And I've got five acres up in Tennessee. And this is what I'll do. I'll trade you my five acres for your garbage dump. What would you do? You'd trade. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, I have eternal life. And what you have in your own self is nothing but a garbage dump. That's all you have. You've gone over there and you've added it on your credit column. And when it's all said and done, Paul says nothing but dung. Garbage. And Jesus is saying today, here's what I want to do. I want to trade you. I want to give you what I have. Eternal life. For your garbage dump. Now, would it make any sense at all for you to say, no, God, you keep what you have. I'm going to keep my garbage. That don't make sense, does it? But here's what happens. The moment you ask Christ to forgive you, come into your life and save you, the moment you receive Christ Jesus as your Lord, you have eternal life. Amen. Isn't that good? Amen. Have you done your bookkeeping on your salvation? Are you kind of adding everything up in your credit column? And it looks pretty good. Paul says without Jesus, all of that is garbage. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to